The Hump, episode 27, The Jordaculator. TM. Welcome to The Hump, your show about how to get one over in this thing called life. This is Brent Bowen. Chad Beeland. So we were already talking about show beers because the gentlemen that have joined me tonight are well prepared. Well prepared. So fellas, and we have Jordan Neitzel, who's a certified financial planner and a chartered financial analyst. Did I get that right, Jordan? You got it. Do you have any other initials behind your name that you'd like to, to share? Not as of now, but give me some time. Are there one for craft? Are there ones for craft beer drinking? Because you're also a craft beer enthusiast, and it's probably the most important credential that you'll have for tonight's show. CBE. Agreed. Yeah. I, uh, as soon as there's a credential for craft beer, you can guarantee that I will have it. CBE. I like that craft beer enthusiasts. CBE. Cheers, gentlemen. So what are we drinking tonight? I'm drinking. I'm, I went outside of Kansas city. I'm feeling a little uh, dangerous. And plus I wanted a beer that last week's episode lasted like an hour and 15 minutes in real time. So I needed a beer that could last at least an hour and 15 minutes. So I went with the Prairie artisan ales pirate noir. So drinking it cold or drinking it warm. It's delicious. It doesn't matter. That's a delicious beer. And I'll cut you some slack. Cause I know that you haven't bought beer in forever. You're just like going through your, your cash. So I am going, I am going through the cash. So Jordan doesn't understand that. So I had so much beer at the beginning of this year, just lying around the house, even without the pandemic, I was thinking about going through a challenge of not buying any beer and just seeing if all the beer that I had in the house existing could last me the entire year. Little did I know that we would actually have a pandemic to put that to task. Yeah. Now you can find out. Now we can find out. I know where you're coming from because uh, my wife's been pregnant for like the last five years. (laughs) So I've been the only one in the house drinking some some beer. And so I've been in a similar, similar situation. I've had the polar opposite experience. Like I'm, I'm literally feel like I'm the only one keeping other than you, Jordan, because I know you're putting in the work. I'm the only one keeping these small Kansas microbreweries, Kansas City microbreweries alive. Like every week I'm doing a pickup and I'm like, man, I'm running out of room. But then when I get it home, there seems to be room. So it's it's going somewhere. I'm just not sure where. And it's not coming to my house at this point, though. I will gladly give up some Clorox wipes to wipe down some new beer. Mm, that's the new currency that and, you know, yeah, you give me uh, eight rolls of toilet paper a thing of Clorox wipes and I'll hook you up with a 12. <laughs> and even then I'm not sure it's a fair trade, even at the beer price point we're drinking at. Yeah. Cause you can get beer. You can't get to other paper. Yeah. So gentlemen, what are you drinking? Jordan, what are you drinking? So I have got an Alma Mater, a uh, local Kansas city brewery, one of my favorites, Alma Mater mirror line, which is a double new England IPA. It's quite delightful. I want you to send me a picture of that so we'll at some point chad and i'll monologue or get into a conversation i want you to send me a picture of that because that is some hazy shit 
People on Facebook can't see that, but that's some hazy shit. Yeah. Chad, what are you drinking? Swamp tonight? water, that's for sure. In a good way. <laughs> Chad, what are you drinking? I got one of Jordan's favorites, one of mine as well, but it's not far from where Jordan's at, but it's BKS, Artisan Ales, Counterculture, India Pale Ale. So refreshing and delightful. I know. I need to make the BKS run. We're doing a food run on Saturday up to downtown Kansas City. I need to make the BKS run. Well, if you're doing a BKS run, you better get your crap together in the next 55 minutes because they take online orders starting at 7 p.m. on Thursday. And if you go at 9, it's gone. They sold out. If you go at 7.05, it's gone. Oh, no. You got to be there. I should mention I'm drinking out of my BKS glass as well. Little BKS love tonight. Well, speaking of some love, I want to cheers you, Mr. Talent, Chad. Mm. I'm going to send a cheers to you. I hear that you did something very lovely for my mother-in-law. You and your and your lovely wife, Diane, dropped off a charcuterie plate and some some goods to my mother-in-law made made Becca very happy, which makes me happy. In turn makes me happy. She's a wonderful lady. She's done a lot of nice things for us over the years. So uh, least we could do. I mean, yeah. I know it's tough and she's by herself. So that makes it even harder, but we could brighten her day a little bit than mission accomplished. Yeah. You brightened her day and those highbrow people in Leewood, they like charcuterie. So that made her, that made her very happy. She sent us the nicest email. Like it was like such a nice email. I wish I could like put it on my resume. <laughs> Cause like, I felt like it's one of those things. Like if a potential employer is like, considering you and they're like holy shit man that guy's nice like you know that kind of nice would you mind me posting that on linkedin smart yeah that would be smart (laughs) i'll have i'll have uh my mother-in-law sue do a uh what is that a little referral write-up on linkedin for you yeah maybe i could just consider like a a reference you know (laughs) you can't call her she doesn't have a phone but you can read this so this is an entire topic for another show, but at one point in time, you and I had talked about doing our real resumes. Yeah. Right. And I still want to do that. <laughs> Bring Jordan in on this. So we're basically <laughs> thinking like, you know, once we shut it down from like real jobs, you come up with a resume so you can get a job like at a brewery or, you know, a boulevard or something. So you basically just come up with a beer resume, you know, like, uh, 2,100 unique beers on untapped and <laughs> yeah. cult member at multiple local breweries. Life accomplishments finished second in the Dick Vital sound alike contest in college. <laughs> I mean, it, it'd be like all the crazy crap that nobody that makes you, you that, but nobody wants to know in a job interview. Yeah. yeah. Like you've achieved level 99. I believe in IPA badge on untapped. Yes. Yes. Yeah. All of those things. 99. How about a (laughs) hundred? You got to close that thing out. I worked at Christopher elbow for 38 minutes once. (laughs) (laughs) And got paid in chocolate. I did. You did facts. I was there. So speaking of closing something out really quickly, because we dedicated almost most of the episode to this, and then we'll pepper Jordan with some questions is, would you gentlemen think of the Chiefs draft last week? I'm going to defer to the guest. Yeah. Jordan, what do you think? I'm going to be honest with you. I couldn't tell you a single player that we drafted. I'm probably one of the few people that didn't watch the draft. 
So he was analyzing stocks. I guarantee it. <laughs> yeah. I'm just so confident in the team that we have coming back and in Mahomes that it just doesn't even matter. We're going to be fine either way. Yeah. Just put it all on his golden arm. It's not, not bad logic there. Bieland, what'd you think? I mean, you know, they had a limited number of picks. They only had, what, five picks, but they ended up squeezing six out of it. It's a bold move. I mean, you know, for a team that's pretty heavy on one side, the defense did pick it up the second half of the season. I'll give them that. They played fantastic, well, for the most part in the, in the playoffs. But you think, you know, hey, they, they could use a corner. They lost Fuller, you know. But they were in a position where they could take the best player available, and I'm pretty damn excited about what they got. I mean, getting a running back at the end, I mean, that he's just not a running back. Like He's the only player in SEC history to have 1,000 yards rushing and over 50 receptions in one season. Like He's going to make a dangerous offense even more dangerous. They're going to be in much better shape, and there is some, some logic to it. Like, okay, well, we'll just score 40. See if you can beat us. Yeah. Yeah, I was dubious of us going to get another running back. Didn't really want a running back in the first round. But then when that was the pick, and I'm sitting there thinking about it, I'm thinking about those old Eagles offenses. They've been, you know, they there were the comps to Bryant Westbrook, which has me excited. But the other comp that had me really excited, and then actually as I was digging into the kid at Clyde a little bit, was the Maurice Jones Drew comp for about three years there. Maurice Jones Drew was for a running back almost MVP caliber. Yeah, he was good. That was the comp that they were using. And running backs don't have a long shelf life, but boy, are we we we're gonna be fucking entertained for for probably a good five years with Mahomes and him on the roster if he stays healthy. So yeah, and if nothing else, it it doesn't force them in a position to give uh, Damian Williams a big contract. Like, yeah, that gives them some flexibility in that aspect. But the other pick that I'm crazy excited for is because, you know, MV Pat number 15, like he's got to stay vertical. So I like the pick of the <laughs> TCU offensive lineman in the third round. I mean, they got to be just constantly peppering that offensive line I mean, with draft picks because you got to keep him standing. You got to keep him throwing like, so I like that move too. Yeah. Mahomes has has some wheels, but it'd be better if he could stay in the pocket and stay upright. And I like the picks of all the defensive like raw just speed. Yeah. That was kind of like like Nebraska and Oklahoma, like in the nineties, when they just started playing like safety size guys at linebacker. They're just basically like, we just want speed, gang tackle, get to the ball, and then just everybody come and finish off the tackle. And it seems like that's finally catching on with the NFL because some, I mean, that linebacker they got's like ran like a four, three, nine, like that's sick. Yeah. So, well, and the, and then the other safety we picked up that played at, uh, I forget what school he played at, not the Tulane kid, but the, the other Louisiana tech, he was the fourth fastest 40 in the combine. So yeah, just, just bringing on that raw speed, which I'm glad we traded back in to get the, um, the second defensive back from Tulane, because with all the crap that's happened with Brashard Breland, I, I think they kind of knew that he may have already missed four games. Apparently he was already on the suspension block before yeah, but, the incident this week. So 
Yeah, but a sixth round pick's not insurance when it comes to a starting NFL corner. I mean, it, but depth. It's and depth. then the he's and a then the third and then the third or fourth round pick may be some form of insurance. But they didn't reach, man. Like we're not going to take a corner at thirty two that probably should be drafted at the end of the second round. Like I respect that. Like I trust in Andy. So let's see what happens. So we can have more conversation about this when I actually have a guest in mind that would talk about this ad nauseum for us with us probably for about three days. But tonight's guest is here to talk about something that's maybe even more important and more top of mind for a lot of people in the the United States and the world. And so we brought on Jordan Neitzel. He's a chartered financial analyst and certified financial planner. And we're going to talk some state of the world and some finance tonight. Jordan, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm a uh, longtime fan of the show. Pretty sure I left the first iTunes review. This is fact. Five stars, of course. This is fact. He used to listen to the show when we would work and like, He'd take off his headphones. He'd be like, that was a good episode. <laughs> he listened even when the audio was shitty. Yeah. 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 Thank you, Jordan. We had to reward him somehow for his year of dedication. <laughs> and the the inside joke before we start peppering him with questions. So full disclosure, Chad and I have both previously worked with Jordan and think highly of him. He, we called him, he earned the nickname, the Jordaculator. Because a lot of his brain power actually would factor into a lot of the work that we were doing and the the engine that was running the business that I will not mention. I typically don't mention all the my past employers for a number of reasons, but he was the engine in the brains behind a lot of the logic behind that. So he earned the nickname, the Jordaculator, hence the name of tonight's show. This is a guy that like loves finance. Like I like finance. I find it interesting to like <laughs> read about this stuff. Like he loves finance. <laughs> it's true. I mean, how could you not? <laughs> it's ever changing. It's even it's awesome. more so in the last 90 days. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, let, let's talk about that change. And I want to, because we've seen a lot of volatility in the markets and I'm somebody that pays attention as a necessary evil. I'll pay attention to the markets and the markets were, you know, close at an all time high. If you consider the Dow, you know, it was like 29,000, you know, and change. And then I kind of watched it as it went all the way down to 18,000 and change right now it's back up. Even though it was down today, it was back. It's back up over half of what it lost. So how could we be seeing, you know, such huge kind of swings in the market right now? And I, what I find is interesting in particular with the pandemic and be interesting to get your perspective on this. It, it's just interesting to watch how the news could be bad, you know, record unemployment, unemployment keeps getting worse, but Hey, the, the, the Dow's up 500 points today. So it's just the volatility is unlike anything I've seen. And I'm old now, not really old, but old enough and work 16 years in finance. What, you know, what's your perspective on all this volatility we're seeing? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. If you look at where the S&P 500 is today, it's basically at the same price we were at in October of 2019. 
Uh, so that's like what, six, seven months ago, something like that. So, you know, if we could go back to October of 2019 and we just erase everything that's happened since then, you know, I think if we look back and we say, Hey, in six, seven months, we're going to be flat for the market. You'd say, okay, that's, you know, that's not great, but you certainly wouldn't expect that we're in the middle of a global pandemic with, you know, 30 million people unemployed and the whole country on lockdown. So it is, I mean, it's bizarre that we're where we are in the market when all of the news is negative. But I think ultimately, you know, markets are forward looking. So, you know, I don't know what, I, I guess the, the markets are expecting either some sharp recovery or they're expecting the government to step in until, you know, we get to the end of it. But I think it just underscores the fact that, you know, if you're trying to time the market, good luck. Yeah. Uh, because it doesn't, it doesn't make sense most of the time. So. Yeah. Even more yeah. so. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, you think back to, was it during the great recession, 2008, 2009, like the Dow was actually down to what, 6,000. I mean, yeah. that was it that long ago. Yeah. And now we're what, almost double that. Yeah. It was 20, 24, two today. It's kind of where it closed. So four X. Yeah. Four X of four X of 2008. Yeah. And I think, you know, people who are, you hear this a lot. People are waiting until things calm down and then they're going to get back in. Mm. But that's, that's not how it works because when everything's calm again, the market's going to be, it's already going to be at all time highs. Like you, you will have missed everything. Right. Um, so that like uncomfortable feeling that you get because of the extra risk that's happening right now, like that tells you that there could be some opportunity for, for return. So, you know, again, like, don't try to time it because it's it's just not going to work. That's actually a good point. And you know, my day job, I talk to clients all day about this very subject. And I hear this one a lot. And I'm curious what your perspective is. I hear a lot of nervous investors out there saying, you know, well, this time is different. I mean, we've never had a global pandemic before. So I understand the markets goes up and down, but like this time's really different. I mean, what do you say to that? So I, I mean, I agree. Every time is different. Every market crash that we've had has been different. And if it wasn't different, then we'd all know what to expect for the next market crash. And so I think it was Mark Twain that said, history doesn't repeat, but it often rhymes. And I think that's the same thing. Like If you go back and look at all these market crashes, they all have one thing in common, and that's that they eventually end. Eventually, the economy recovers, the stock market recovers. So, you know, if we go back and look at the Great Depression now, it's just like a little blip in the chart. And then if we go back, you know, I think if we go forward 20, 30 years, we're going to look at the Great Recession, we're going to look at this pandemic, and it's going to look the same. It's going to look like a little blip in the chart. So I agree, every, every time is different, but it doesn't change how you're strategy should be if you're a long-term investor. Well, exactly. We have a mutual friend that he said this to me once, and for some reason, it just resonates in my head. And he's like, okay, so do you think in 15, 20, 30, 40 years, when you retire, do you think the markets are going to be higher than they are today? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So everything else is just noise. 
Right. Yeah. The only argument I could see being made that would make any sense about this time is completely different would be, and I think the markets were in existence even when the Spanish flu hit in the early 1900s, right? So a lot of the market, yeah, sure. the market data goes back to the late 1800s. So even then you could not, not that you could probably draw to your point. It's not the same. I love the Mark Twain quote, by the way, but it rhymes. You could at least see how it was affected at that point in time. And unless we get thrown completely back until the pre-industrial revolution, which at that point we've pretty much probably hit the reset button as a society anyway, right? You, you've got some notion of we need to look forward and that this thing will, you know, it will recover at some point. It may look different. Business may look different. But the markets as a whole, you know, the markets as a whole would recover. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's a good point because it's, it's having a different impact in like different areas of the economy. So like there's going to be some retail stores that probably are going to go bankrupt and you're never going to hear from them again. And, and then on the other hand, there's some like tech stocks, there's some biotech stocks that are actually up over this period. Yeah. And so I think that just that's just another reason why you need to diversify because if you're in individual stocks like if you're heavy heavily weighted towards retail stocks or some of these consumer discretionary type of things like cruises or hotels or you know stuff like that like yeah you're you're really feeling the pain now and there's a chance that those stocks are not going to recover. Yeah. But if you're just invested in the U.S. economy, just in a broad, diversified stock fund, most likely you're you're going to be okay after a period of time. So you do or do not have a cruise scheduled? <laughs> not currently, although the prices are tempting. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. It's like airlines and Airbnb. Yeah, I know it's interesting. You were talking about the retail sector. I noticed that was it J. Crew. I think there was a, even before we just jumped on here, J. Crew, they were thinking that they're probably going to file for bankruptcy, right? And then, yep. and then it's interesting, even in in my sector and marketing, you know, there I I'm barely getting any sleep because I'm working nonstop because most of what I do is digital, right? And it's about the only way you can communicate. So it's just into, to your point of hitting sector by sector. But there is, you know, for, for certain sectors, one of my clients, you know, they, they are a retail sector and there's a lot of unemployment out there. And I know you can't speak for everybody, but if you happen to find yourself in that predicament, you know, what are, what are some steps you would take that, you know, even if you, because that's such a shock to anybody, right? There's so much in this life, particularly, you know, we're doing the show in the Kansas city area and both, um, both Kansas city there's in Kansas and Missouri, the right, right to work States. Basically there's nothing you're, you're not under an employment contract unless you're part of some union, right? At any moment, the bandaid could be ripped off and you're jobless, right? So how, how would you handle that situation from a planning standpoint? Cause I know you're a planner. It's just, it's in your initials, but I know just as a person, <laughs> you're a planner too. That's yeah, that is very true. Yeah. I mean, 
listen, you've got like potentially 20 to 30% of the U S workforce is going to end up going through this. So it's, it's definitely tough. So the first thing I'd be doing is filing for unemployment because that could take, you know, a week to a few weeks to start receiving your, your payments for that. And then I think I just look at my budget, see where I've got some fat that I could trim. For example, probably going to be cutting some brewery costs <laughs> mm, from my budget. Mm, Unfortunately, mm. Uh, not, not all of it, of course, not all of it, but <laughs> probably bring it down a little bit. If you drink, if you drink Bud Light, then I'm kicking <laughs> you off the island. No, no, I'd rather take, uh, I'd rather take maybe one Boulevard to a 12 pack of Bud Light. So we're fine there. And, you know, figure out your, your health insurance situation because, you know, most people, their insurance is tied to their employer, unfortunately. And, you know, a lot of people are going to have the option to continue that employer insurance, but it's going to be really expensive. So, you know, looking at the ACA exchange or Medicaid, you know, those either option, but you definitely want to make sure that you've got health insurance, especially in this time period. Yeah. This environment for sure. And then, you know, I think I just take stock of, you know, my assets and, and look at what I've got available. So, you know, if you have an emergency fund, it's great. You're, you were prepared for this. And, you know, if not, then there's other options. For example, I know the, the CARES Act gives people the ability to take 100000 out of a retirement account without penalty. Uh, you still have to pay taxes if it's a, if it's a pre-tax account. And I think that should be considered like a last resort because number one, you don't want to sell when all these investments are lower. You'd be selling at a discount. And you're also taking money out of what's hopefully going to be your retirement one day. It's in a tax advantaged account. But people do have three years to repay that money without any any tax consequences. So it's definitely an option if if you have nowhere else to turn. And then lastly, if your budget is tight. Contact a lot of people, contact your lenders, your landlords, because a lot of people right now are willing to work with you, but they're not going to do it if, if you don't reach out. Don't just stop paying, just just contact them and you know they'll defer payments or something like that. So Yeah, that is interesting that you say that. Like I've noticed just in the last few days, I've been looking at like State Farm and Citibank and whatnot, and they do have banners on their sites that say, hey, you know, call this number and let us know if you're having financial hardship. We want to work with you. I mean, that's actually pretty cool. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's, I think that's one of the, you know, it's obviously it's a, a terrible time, but one of the cool things that's come out of this is seeing how people are helping each other. And, you know, that includes some of these lenders and landlords. I've seen landlords that are just waiving rents. They're saying, Hey, don't worry about rent this month which is pretty cool. But I would say like, if, if you have the ability to make those payments, um, if it's not going to put a big financial strain on you because you've got those emergency savings you know, ready to go, then you want to make the payments because ultimately those balances are still going to be earning interest. Hmm. And so you don't want to incur a bunch of additional interest if you can avoid it. That's why you have a rainy day fund, man. Because guess what? It's raining. It's raining. Yeah. Big time. It is definitely raining. It's monsooning at this point. Yeah. So, and just the quick clip on that, Jordan, how much, how many months of expenses should folks generally have in a starter kit for a rainy day fund or a, 
Uh, I have a client, they call it a peace of mind fund. Yeah, good question. So the general rule is three to six months. Everybody's going to be different though. Like if you've got a really secure job, which, you know, there's probably not many of them in this time, honestly. Uh, but, but for those people, you could err on the side of, you know, closer to three months. Whereas if you're a freelancer, you might want to go beyond six months. You might want to, you know, get all the way up to, to 12 months or something like that. Yeah. If you're perpetually unemployed like me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, you just, you never know what's coming. And so the more secure your job is, the less you have to prepare for something like this. But at the same time, like who knows, nobody was expecting something like this to happen. And I'm sure a lot of people thought their jobs were hundred percent secure before all of this happened. So yeah, general rule three to six months, but you got to take it with your own situation. That's good. No, that's helpful. So to dive a little deeper on your uh, financial philosophy, are you more of a stuff it in the mattress or coffee can in the backyard kind of guy? <laughs> I mean, what are you doing personally during all this to kind of... Or, or you were talking about everything kind of being depressed. You know, if we're talking about investments, are you going freaking nuts? And it's like Sunday, 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 everything's on sale. We're buying the shit up. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely more of the uh, everything's on sale. I, I bought a little bit of stocks, but to be honest, like it's tough. I mean, it's not like people just have cash sitting around waiting for something like this to happen to then just unload. So me personally, I'm just like not opening my my retirement accounts. I'm just not looking at them. Uh, that way, I don't I don't feel that panic. That might be the best advice you could give somebody right now. Is just don't look. Just don't yeah. look. Yeah, just don't look. You look, you can look at the stock market. You know what it's doing. You know your account's going to be down. You don't need to open up the account to see how far it's down. Just just let it go. Yeah. And perspective too. Like, yeah, it may be painful right now. You got 25 years till you actually will begin to need to withdraw this money. You don't need all the money on day one of retirement. Like, Yeah, exactly. And to your point earlier, do you think it's going to, are we, are we going to recover in 25 years? Probably. So, you know, let it go. Yeah. And as much as your heart may be saying everything's on sale, you mentioned in full disclosure at the beginning that your that your wife has been pregnant for five straight years and that you you have multiple children. So that that takes a drain on the uh the old pocketbook and be able to just throw money in the market too, right? Yeah. Yeah, it definitely does. Kids are expensive. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So fortunately, you know, my, my wife's staying home with the kids. I'm, I'm still working, but yeah, I mean, nobody tells you how expensive kids are. <laughs> what I, that just made me realize too, you have like Irish triplets. Like how did you find a quiet room in your house to do this tonight? I, well, I've got the door locked, <laughs> so it's tough. The chair up against the doorknob, like do not come in. Yeah. Daddy, daddy's working. Yeah. I thought that question was going to go a completely different direction. Jordan, last, last financial question for you, because a lot of the things, although you provided some hope along the way, you know, there, there are a lot of dour moods out there just around people's financial prospects. What, what's something out there, if you could provide, you know, in like 60 seconds, maybe one thing that's kind of giving you a little bit of hope. Well, I think I would go back to 
what I kind of mentioned earlier, where, you know, you look around and, and people are helping each other out. So I just think ultimately if, if, you know, you're asking, you know, this time is different, we're going to, we're going to zero, you know, anything like that, just like, look at what's going on. I'm, I'm going to bet, I'm going to hitch my wagon to, to the human spirit. And ultimately that's going to prevail. Like we're going to be okay. This, this time is really tough. I don't want to minimize that. I know a lot of people are experiencing a lot of pain and anxiety, but you know, eventually we're going to get through it and things are going to be better on the other side. All right. That's nice. Little, uh, little hope for everybody. We're here to help each other. So we're going to now drag us back down again to the dregs of humanity with a game of triple D you up for you up for triple D of course. All right. So the, and I try and make it topically relevant. So if folks aren't familiar, we're going to do a discussion around triple D and we pick a topic or a question and we have a discussion on whether it's a dick douche or dumbass move. And this week's triple D move is what do you call someone who takes financial? Let me say that again. What do you call someone? This is the problem with drinking Prairie when it's like 13% (laughs) and trying to do a podcast. What do you call someone who takes financial information not available to the public? Any senators Senators. out there? Senators. Yeah, senators. And then makes a stock transaction. Other than a criminal, what do we call that? Is that a tech douche or a dumbass? Yeah, I was going to say, first First of all, they're a felon. <laughs> and I, I think you've got different categories here. So for for the, the normal insider trader, I'm going to call them a douche. Okay. Just because I, I would imagine most of this happens at, you know, some swanky country club. And so it just it screams douche to me. The other category is a senator who is insider trading, you got to be a dumbass thinking that you're not going to get caught. Like, I think these transactions are monitored for senators. So something like this is clearly going to be caught. And if you don't know any different, then you're a dumbass. That's why we bring this type of expertise on the air, man. (laughs) Like he knows that analytic breakdown there was pretty impressive. (laughs) Thank you. It, uh, I'm a little more black and white. Like it's, it's a plain dick move. I mean, it's just bad human move in my mind. So, I mean, they had the information they could do good with it, but they chose to profit from it. So they're a dick. What, what I find interesting and it, it harkens back to, I'm going to pull the other D on you. I'm going to pull dumbass because you're not going to get caught. Well, they could get caught. They're not going right? to get caught. Martha Stewart got caught. She went to jail. Martha Stewart wasn't a U.S. senator. She wasn't a U.S. senator. But I even go back to Jordan's point earlier. It's like, to what end? I, you look at where the market is now, and it's back where it was in October. When did they pull the money? I mean, did they pull the money out? Did they even time it right? Again, you're back to timing the market. Which to me is a, a fool's errand. They're not guessing though. They had insider information to buy PPE. All right. I'm yeah. I'm gonna back <laughs> off. <laughs> you're you're isolating this specifically to the senators based on that information, which we all agree. 
criminal activity. They're a felon. But it'd be interesting to see if they go to jail. Not. Not not going to happen. So we're around the horn. I do like Jordan's perspective of running the continuum, though. I'm a big fan of the continuum of douche to any of the other D. So well played, sir. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, if you're one of them, there's a good chance you could be all three. Yes. That's some philosophical stuff right there, man. (laughs) We're going to triangulate this. Well, we're all around the horn included on whether if you have public information and you're buying stocks as a result, bad decision, unless you look good in orange, right? Then you shouldn't make that decision. And so now though, we've had some folks join us. They're going to lift our spirits now after that Horrible conversation about bad choices in finances. (laughs) And we're joined by the brother John duo. They're a jazz outfit here local to Kansas City. They performed all around the city at Phoenix, at the Jazz Museum here in Kansas City. And we were going to have them out at the Iron District to perform live and still plan to do that. And they were supposed to play a gig there, but with everything that's been going on, we've had to cancel live shows, but we decided to have them on now. Brother John Duo, welcome to The Hump. Welcome. Welcome. Uh, I'm Brother John, and we got Rick Cole on guitar, Brother John on vocals here, and uh, what do you say? Uh, can you hear us? We can hear you. All right. Let's, let's kick out a little something right here. Thank you, Kansas City and beyond here with the Brother John duo. Good music and memories, good fun here. Here's a little George Strait tune here by Amaretto by Morning. Kind of takes us back with what we are blessed to really have here. Amaretto by Morning, up from San Antonio. Everything that I got. It's just when I've got on. When that sun is high in the Texas sky, I'll be bolting it at the county fair. Amarillo by morning, Amarillo, I'll be there. They took my saddle in Houston, broke my leg in Santa Fe. Lost my wife and a girlfriend somewhere along the way. Well, I'll be looking for it when they pull that gate, and I'm hoping that the judge ain't blind. Amarillo by morning, Amarillo's on my mind. Amarillo by morning, up from San Antonio. Everything that I got is just what I've got on. I ain't got a dime, but what I got is mine. I ain't rich, but I'm free. Amarillo by morning, Amarillo's where I'll be. Amarillo by morning, Amarillo's where I'll be. 
Brother John, John, Rick, you guys can't see me right now, but you definitely made me smile. So thanks so much for doing that. I'm grinning like Butcher's smile. Dog. That so was thanks awesome. Thanks so much for doing that, Dave. <laughs> yeah. Uh, got time? Maybe one more, a little, a little quickie or something? Or is that it, Dave? Uh, you no. Know, you know what? We don't normally play back to back, but for you fellas, we're gonna we'll let you roll with one more yeah, before one more we day. do that. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Before we do that, though. Where can folks show you some love? Okay. You got a virtual tip jar or something going on where people can throw you a little scratch? Yes, we do. One of the reasons why we're doing this is to show some love to artists that can't get out and perform and be all the places they want to be. Okay, there. Uh, You're going to everybody get your pencils and pens ready. They're just typing in. It's paypal.me slash B-R-J-O-H-N S-T-O-R-Y-T-I-M-E. That's paypal.me slash brojohnstorytime. Yes, and uh, we have, we've we been appreciating uh, the, uh, all the good love that everyone has been showing us during this time here uh, of our, our challenging times we have here. And uh, we can't wait to get back out there when it's safe and everything to continue to uh, good music, good memories, good fun here. And, uh, and so, yes, uh, paypal.me slash b-r-j-o-h-n story time and uh we have a little just we got just a little quickie piece here before we finish up here uh kind of takes us back to that um to the beach i know i'm a beach lover i know many people just getting back there a tropical drink melting in your hand and falling in love to the rhythm of steel drum band uh we uh, play a little bit of uh, Motown, jazz, uh, country. How about a little Beach Boys? That's what Brother John and Duo does here. Here we go. We appreciate you for having us on the program as well, too. Thank you. Thank you. Aruba, Jamaica. Ooh, I want to take you to Bermuda, Bahama. Come on, pretty mama. Key Largo, Montego. Off the Florida Keys, there's a place called Kokomo. That's where you want to go to get away from it all. Bodies in the sand, how cold drink melting in your hand. We'll be falling in love to the rhythm of a steel drum band. Now in Cocoa, Jamaica, ooh, I want to take you to Bermuda, Bahama, come on, pretty mama, Chilago, Montego, ooh, I want to take you to Cocoa, we'll get there fast and then we'll take it slow, that's where we want to go, way down in Cocoa, Thank you, Brent. Brother John Duo, John, Rick, thanks for doing that for us tonight. We can't wait to have you out to the Iron District and see you live. 
And in person, in the meantime, I'll reach out and make sure that we get your virtual tip jar and we'll include that in the show notes online so people can find that online too. So with tonight, with that, tonight is a wrap. Thank you, Jordan, the Jordaculator for joining us to share some fun TM, to share some financial wisdom. Brother John Duo, thanks for lifting our spirits and reminding Chad and me of better days with the drink in our hand and the beach under our feet. If you've been, if you've enjoyed today's episode, everyone, see, I even messed this up. I'm telling you, it is the freaking prairie beer in my hand. If you've enjoyed today's episode, go out to the He Says, She Says Casey Facebook page and like follow us if you haven't already. Remember, you can catch us live on Facebook every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Central. You can also check us out at the He Says, She Says Casey blog. And you can rate, subscribe to us, follow us, do all the things that the Jordaculator has been doing for more than two years. On your favorite podcast platform, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Good night, everyone. Take care.